The Quintessential Podcast is proud to announce that we have a new presenting sponsor, Axia Time. Axia Time is a really cool watch company focused on ultra-custom watches to commemorate life's greatest accomplishments. Watches whose styling and quality match the significance of the accomplishments they represent. Axia Time is also partnered with all the leading lacrosse organizations to create all-American timepieces for high school boys and girls and college men and women. Axia Time even creates timepieces for elite awards like the Tuareton and Naismith. If you're interested in a high-quality, Swiss-made timepiece to commemorate a great accomplishment, you need to check out their designs at axiatime.com. That's A-X-I-A time.com. If you're celebrating a team achievement, like a state championship, national championship, or even world championship, you have to check out the timepieces they created for teams like Jesuit Dallas, the University of Maryland, and even the USA U21 world champions. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sunday podcast presented by Axia Time. Quint Kesnick here in the ESPN studios with Chris Cotter and Paul Carcatero ready to go on air. We've seen the bracket, but we got a whole lot of information. This podcast will be released uh, after the show, probably on Monday morning. Uh, Carc, you're looking at the bracket. What are your initial thoughts? You know, I think for starters, before you break down the whole bracket, I think it's critical to understand that we're seeing some changes in the sport of lacrosse. 12 years ago, University of Michigan decided to go from club to Division One. They make their first playoff experience a reality by winning the Big Ten, as does Utah. Only four years in, there was a club program that Brian Holman and that staff brought to the Division One status, and Drew McMinn now has the Utes playing in uh, the tournament for the first time in program history in a short four-year span. Champ weekend is complete. We've got uh, nine automatic qualifiers. Uh, some drama there. We had, what, six top seeds lose along the way. Michigan wins their league. Utah wins their league. Uh, and then eight at-large selections, uh, of which Denver and Penn are the first teams out. And so, Cotter, I, I don't think there was as much drama uh, in terms of the, the overall body of the field. I think their nuances uh, dealt with more seeding and placement. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think it was pretty cut and dry. You had the two bid stealers in Michigan and uh, Princeton. And if they won, you kind of knew that Denver and Penn were going to be the teams on the outside looking in. That's what we have. And then I agree with you. I think it's where the seeding is and kind of who has certain matchups. Uh, the fact that Michigan and Cornell are playing, I think that's really interesting. You got Penn State and Princeton playing as well. That's pretty cool too. We know the committee likes to geographically kind of play some of these non-seeded teams with the eight-seeded teams. But I think you got some really good first round matchups. I mean, down the line, there's really very few games in there that the seeded team can look at and say, yeah, that's going to be a W. No, I agree. Even you look at defending national champion Maryland, they get a four seed and, and their reward is Army West Point, a team that defense is in their DNA year in and year out. They let out their 10 goals a game and Joe Alvarici and that staff this year losing 19 seniors from a year ago. They've done a phenomenal job coaching. That will be a hard game for Maryland. Uh, Georgetown, Yale, depending on what Yale team we see Georgetown who's you know winners of what 12 straight now they've won 12 straight they play a Yale team that when they're at their best you feel like they can compete with anyone nationally when they're at their worst they're a borderline dumpster fire right they can they can lose by 10 15 goals 
Yeah, do you think the top three seeds are clear, far and away, the best teams in this bracket and have, of those three, I guess I would ask you, Q, which one do you think has the easiest and which one has the toughest road to get the championship weekend? Well, Duke gets the number one seed based on their RPI. They had the bad loss to Jacksonville, but the committee uh, didn't really think that that was uh, a deterrent to giving them the number one. To me, they have the most favorable bracket. Down at the bottom, I like Notre Dame's path to, the, to championship weekend, but you're, oh, you're they're dealing, moonwalking you're, into you're dealing weekend. with potentially Virginia or maybe Georgetown, two really athletic teams, yes. uh, which will be an incredible semifinal game if we get there. Uh, so I think I think Duke's the big winner in terms of the top three. And then four, five, six, they're all the Big Ten teams. Coincidentally, all three that lost games last weekend. So it's not like Johns Hopkins, Penn State, and Maryland are – springboarding into the championships. They're all coming off a loss this week, so it's going to be interesting to see how they react to their losses. Yeah, I was watching Bryant Albany yesterday in the America East final. Bryant can score goals. Kid Groinger, I think, had five goals and two assists in that game. He was a, a big-time force. They face off at 60%. That could be a problem for Johns Hopkins in round, in round one. They can score. They can score. Uh, Cornell, Michigan, I think is a fascinating matchup. And that, that game's going to be played on Sunday, middle of the day. Michigan comes in with all sorts of momentum. Cornell lost in the Ivy League tournament. They got Gavin Adler. Who do they put him on? Josh Shawada or, or uh, Michael Bame? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just an established program like Cornell was won championships back in the 70s against the new face, Michigan, which will be one of the national stories and Michigan of, of this making, tournament. Making that trip to Ithaca. And the other part of the question is, it's not as much... I hope they don't stay in that hotel we stayed in last year. <laughs> They're going to be in trouble. <laughs> They'd have some good stories to tell out there. Well, that's mean, Car for sure. Yeah, Carl, think about it. When we were growing up, and I know we're old, but can you imagine a... A tournament matchup. Someone says, "Yeah, someday Utah will play at Notre Dame in an NCAA tournament." Yeah, that's tournament really game. cool. That's yeah. why I think this year, it, like, you, you can't have the blinders on, right? You, you can't have the blinders on when you really think of this. And when you do this every year, like we do, you got to stop and, and and smell the roses. Sometimes you have a, a Utah in there, right? You have a Michigan in there. Those those schools yeah. never even crossed my mind as a kid, potentially having Division One lacrosse. So. I think it's a really cool win. We talk about the game growing ge geographically speaking. It's growing. We're, we're seeing something yeah. here. I like that Army's in it too. I like the service academies. Yes. Anytime you can get that. I like to see uh, Alvarese and the job he's done and his staff. It's just great that they got back. And the other thing too, I think is a factor. It's not as much as it is in like college basketball where you, you may win a championship on Sunday and play on Thursday. So you have a few more days. But what about the Virginias who have time off? versus a Michigan or a Princeton who has played big game two games. pressure on them two that they had three days with travel. And now you got to kind of reset a little bit here with a few days before you play. And maybe, and if you're Michigan, you're not used to playing. I mean, at least Princeton made it to the championship weekend last year. Yeah. What I worry about Princeton though is, is how thin they are and now more injuries, right? We saw Christian Ronda today, yeah. one of their top midfielders. He hurt his shoulder or his collarbone. His status is, is questionable. So a, a team that's been decimated with injuries already with Sam English and now Ronda and their face-off game is depleted, I worry about it. Like, you, you know, you have duct tape on that team right now. And I think Madeline's yeah. done an incredible job. The, the, yeah, two things. I want, I want to talk about uh, who didn't make it, but but also the emotion of championship week, as you mentioned, Clark. Like, to see a Maris celebrate, to see Delaware celebrate, they've achieved their, their primary goal to yeah. make the NCAA tournament. In Delaware's case, they were here last year and won a game. Like they know, they, they know the ropes here. Yeah, yeah they know the. And so, they're, to my mind, they're less likely to get get, get too high on themselves mm -hmm. or, or, or pat themselves in the back or or think that maybe the, the, not the job yeah. is over. Yep, exactly. Because you know they got their eyes on bigger things and, yeah. and they got big hopes and big dreams. So 
I, I just thought it was fascinating to watch Utah, Michigan, Delaware, these, these teams win their leagues. Uh, so often we, we don't cover their games on our networks as, right. much, as much. And uh, and it's pretty cool. Like tonight's their night. We do get to see Denver, though, and we won't get to see Bill Tierney anymore at Denver. And that was a big deal. They were the victims of the bid stealers. You thought coming into the weekend that Michigan and Princeton could steal a bid from them and from Penn. And that's exactly what happened. In yeah, the end. I, I feel bad for their players because I know that they didn't want Coach Tierney's career to end this way. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, they beat Ohio State, they beat North Carolina, and in, in most years, those wins would have carried, carried them into the tournament. Yeah. It didn't this year. Uh, they beat Villanova twice. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's one of their league and rivals. It, yeah, if, someone, you if someone again, told you and it's not like Denver, it's not started. like Denver's playing a, playing a crappy schedule. No, no, the, no. They, they no. go everywhere yeah. and play everybody. And if someone told you before the season that Denver, and didn't talk about any of their other games, but they'd have a... Ohio State win, a North Carolina win, and two Villanova wins. You'd, you'd buy Lock them. City. It. Yeah. Lock City. Right, exactly. And, and I feel bad for Penn, too, because Penn schedules. They uh, play everyone. As, as, they don't duck anyone. No, Penn, Penn schedules everybody, and they're, again, one game, one goal away from being in this they tournament. They had so many close games all year. It finally caught up with them in the Ivy League tournament. I mentioned it on the air today. I thought the best team, the most dangerous team who got let, left out of the bracket, in my eyes, is honestly Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, because of their offense. You know, they beat Princeton late in the year. I thought they were trending in the right direction. They beat Carolina late in the year. Uh, next year will be their year with, with the transfers. Next year, I look at them as a potential seeded team hosting Yeah, no I was going to say top 10 offense. We'll, we'll see about yeah. what they can do de- defensively. And, and figuring out the face-off X, too. Yeah, well, they right? have Johnny Mullen coming in. He's one of the best freshmen in the country. Freshman face-off guys have shown that they can acclimate to Division One lacrosse. There's still more tread on the tire. You know, later on, some of these guys, think about some of the best face-off guys we've seen. Their freshmen, sophomore yeah. years are, are yeah. oftentimes their best. Good point. When you look at the uh, the bracket, what, Kark, what's a game that, that if you were a fan, you, you'd be glued to the uh, the couch? You know, the, the, the Jekyll and Hyde of Yale intrigues me, but I, I might be glued to the couch, but throwing something at the TV five minutes in if they're losing by seven, right? But well, they can they're win They're fun that game to watch. Too. Yes, that's the whole point. They're great to watch. They can win that game, yeah, George, but, but that's George in the second Town, quarter they could be down Yale. by ten, and I'd, I'd smash the TV and start yelling at everyone. That's the Saturday game, Georgetown hosting Yale. Georgetown, Cornell, Michigan, to me, is, is maybe the most intriguing. Georgetown game. lost their game last year. Yeah. Yeah. They opened this season with three straight defeats, and since then they've rattled off 12 wins. Cornell, Michigan is, is interesting because Michigan is is the unseeded team here, but they have the ingredients to play championship-level lacrosse. And I say this because they have a, a two-headed monster at the face-off X. Cornell's not great in that department yeah, either. Yeah, Weefeld and, uh, and, and Rowlett. This kid, Hunter Taylor, the, the freshman goalie, was phenomenal yesterday in the Big Ten Championship. And you have that attack line too, so there's pieces to the puzzle there for 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 Michigan to to win that game and be a thorn in anyone's side. Yeah, I think other than that game, Army Maryland too. Gonna, yeah. I mean, Coletti can can handle Weirman at the faceoff dot if they can slow it down, limit the possessions. Also, there's something about Maryland that just isn't isn't right. I mean, we we've talked about it. I'm not sure what it is. I mean, a ninety percent Maryland is still a really good team—a team that's capable to get the championship they beat weekend on the road. Yeah, this year. yeah, they, yeah. They, they could still get the championship weekend, but it's a little different. Even last week, I thought Maryland, when they beat Hopkins in the semifinals, one of the better efforts of the season this year. Yeah, you know, they, they they did some lineup tweaking. Uh, Maltz and Kelly didn't get as much time, and the offense was flowing. They were moving the ball, and they diced the Jays. Yeah, it was a great looking win. They've been having some injuries on defense. Uh, and they had some some backup players step up, and then all of a sudden against Michigan, it was like all their warts, all their 
uh, vulnerabilities came to the surface. Maybe they get it out of the way. Worst loss in 17 years. So you wonder how they're going to bounce back. I still think, Kark, and you talked about it right from the beginning of the year, like there's no alpha presence on offense. Braden Irks is their number one scorer. He's a freshman. Yeah, he's a freshman. And they've, they've had that guy for so long now. You, you think back to, you know, the Matt Rambo days. I'm, I'm talking the, you know, not too far. We could, we could go back to Joe Walters and, and, and those days. But in the last 10 years, you went from Matt Rambo to Jared Bernhardt to Logan Wisnoskis. Each one of them broke the school record while they were there in points, right? Mm-hmm. So in goals. So, they, they always had that guy to build an offense around. And they were always different, too. And that's what I like about John Tillman and the way he creates offense. Like, they're not all from that same mold. Logan Wisnoskis was was the alpha of that team last year without being a big-time Dodger. But he, he was lethal, man. 100-point score. They, they didn't have that guy. 100 points. Yeah, he had 100 crazy. points last year. ACC. They, they've been the three teams in the ACC, even the, the chair – admitted that they were kind of head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Who, who is, who's best positioned to win the national championship? Kevin Corrigan has never won one at Notre Dame. They've been close twice. They lost in the finals. They've been a championship weekend a handful of times. Virginia's won two titles for Lars Tiffany, what, 19 and 21. Duke hasn't won since what, 14? 14. They, they won in 2010, 13 and 14. Yeah. It's been a while for them. This is their best team in a while, I think. Balanced, good, yeah. good face-offs. And they have star power. You know, if, if, when Brandon O'Neill turns it on, wants to take over a game, it's, he's just a different monster. I think him and, and C.J. Curse, like physically you feel their presence more than any players in the country when they right. when they when they go. The one question I have for, for Notre Dame, but they've been able to offset the, the lack of face-off dominance over the years because they do some funky stuff with the wings and getting the attack and the defense involved. I, I worry about down the stretch not – not necessarily being under 50%, but not being able to win that critical face-off, like the critical right. one, right? Like the one that C.J. Costabile beat them to in 2010 to win the national championship. Like when you have Naso there, you feel good about it. When you have Petey LaSalle there, yeah. you feel good about it. Does Notre Dame have that assurance? What about the way the Virginia defenders defend the Irish? I mean, that's oh, another big thing, too. Yeah, that, two, that's looming Kasper. down the road. Yeah, Castor and Sawstad have had the answers to the Kavanaugh's and, yes. and Virginia's cleared well enough to get through their ride. Their ride is, is vicious. Yes. I mean, if you don't, if you're, you're not clean with the ball, that's how they've made up for faceoffs yeah. with that Cole, incredible Cole Kastner, ride. Cole Kastner is like a free safety in, in the ride for Virginia, but you know, when they 10 man, but like you said, the Kavanaugh brothers are, are different kinds of riders. They actually have like, predetermined checks like they know how to check defenders i've I've talked to them about it like they actually have checks when they ride a defender and they always get a number of goals every game because of that but here's the thing and and when you and i did the virginia game against notre dame that last game is they're going to get kavanaugh goals but do they get the other goals they're going to get the kavanaugh goals but they didn't get enough out of the midfield right dobson was quiet the rest of the uh, quinn mccann was quiet the second midfield uh riley gray to me, those are the X factors for Notre Dame. Can they get some production from the midfield? Because yeah. that, you got to attack Virginia through against the D middies. You, yeah. you, you, I just the cat, and they're gonna have to move the Cavanaughs a little too, because I just don't think attacking from X against Sawstad and and Kastner is the right move for the for the no, Cavanaughs. I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him corners, corners off a long runs off a pick. Yes. make the tall guys uncomfortable. Bring them out in front of the goal. Well, when you make a bring quick them out move at space. X, you allow them. 
to swarm. You only have a one-way go, really. Yes. You only have but a one-way go. if you go from the corner between the end line and the sideline in space with a with a, a pick in space, I think you could probably give them a little more room to operate. The one team that we were talking about before we started recording that's super intriguing is Georgetown because of the star power they have. Like, they have four guys that are going to be drafted on Tuesday night in the PLO. The most by any school, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Four guys. Tucker Dordovic will be drafted. Will Bowen. Those two guys will be in the first round. And then you have James Riley at the faceoff. And then Minicus. Minicus is going in the second or third round. Oh, Minicus can play. Everyone loves him. He's, he's shot out of a cannon. So what happened to them in the first three games? We were talking about that. that I think was it was a new face. February and March. Yeah, I, think, I think it was a new face. I think it was a new face. They handed the offense to Dordovic. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and they had Nikki Solomon and 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 J, uh, Jacob Kelly. Right. So now they're a different team. Much better now. I mean, yeah. if you watch their game against Denver, that was that was uh, that was pretty impressive. Bundy is now finding his step downs. Haley is is you know being a distributor behind Dordovic's initiations. Right. They're good they're, at the off-ball like, defense hasn't been the same this year. It's gotten better, and now Hinks is back in goal. The transfer from Dartmouth. So right. he started, lost it. Yeah, now he's starting. I'm trying to think of then the, then what the weakness is. If what we're saying that they're now a completely different team. Uh, than last they were in year February. was depth. Last year their weakness yeah. was depth. They didn't they didn't play many folks again in, in that loss to Delaware. About it this way, Connor, when you have when you have a team with four transfers on your offense they're going to get serious serious minutes that have never played together and two of them were the guy with the ball in their stick and brian minicus and tucker dordovic and then you add kelly and solomon you have four new guys who are established college lacrosse players who've never played together and it, it's, it's with hard. a new oc yeah, john hard. hogan it's as well hard. it's hard to that build chemistry Mike but Phipps. now obviously they figured it out Mike Phipps had headed to Navy, um, and they brought in John Hogan. So I think it was more moving parts than we probably mm. uh, admitted at the time. But they've they've done great work. Let's wrap things up with with uh, from a fan's standpoint. What what do you think is is most exciting about these next three weeks? I mean, I think it's the potential that you could have really four blue bloods when you think about the potential for championship weekend of Duke, Maryland. You know, Virginia, Notre Dame, heavyweights going at it. I think that that's intriguing for lacrosse fans. And if that comes to fruition, I think Philadelphia's going to be crazy. Yeah, and I think the one blue blood heavyweight team that's probably not thrilled about the matchups uh, would be Virginia. Because if, if Georgetown does get past Yale, th- that's not an easy quarterfinal matchup for Virginia, having to play Georgetown. Tell you one thing about the the Navy venue for the quarterfinals uh, and, and Albany. They're both great tailgating venues. Uh, that Navy weekend, if if you're a huge lacrosse fan, you want to come down on Friday and go to the MIA championship games. Okay, that's the that's the high school league. If you're really a lacrosse, what are you gonna rat, do Saturday. You're going to go to the Preakness on Saturday. Ooh. And then Sunday, you're going to go down to Navy and and, and watch two lacrosse games. I I've got Sounds friends. Like got I've got already. friends from upstate New York who do this trip every year. Right. They roll into town with the cooler. Sounds amazing. If I didn't have to work, I'd join them. It's a great weekend. The temptation for me is going to be to go to the Preakness on Saturday as well with them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, guys. That's it for this week's episode of the Quintessential Podcast. Thank you to our guests. Thanks to our technical director, Dr. Nick Z. I want to thank you for listening. And, of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axia Time. A watch. What a better gift than a ring. I've got a championship ring. It's collecting dust in a box. I wear watches all the time. Thank you, Axia Time. It's axiatime.com, and we'll see you next week.